middle of the country, but not middle of the road opinions. It's the podcast dedicated to sports in the air capital of the world. I'm going to Wichita. Wichita, Kansas and beyond with Tommy Castor, Weston Mills and Blake Cripps. This is Keeper of the Games. Some may say that we are wildly unqualified. Some may say that we are mildly entertaining, but I say we are exactly where we need to be, talking week one of the regular season of Royals baseball and a very, very, very big week up in Lawrence, Kansas for the University of Kansas. With that, I welcome you into episode 61 of the Keeper of the Games podcast, truly a tradition unlike any other in Wichita Sports Talk. Blake Cripps here with you this week, hosting alongside Tommy Castor, who we had to drag away from walk- watching bootlegged footage from an illegal Russian website of Amen Corner. Tommy, there's no such thing as 24-7 coverage of Amen Corner. The Masters doesn't even start until Thursday, so just relax, okay? Hey, you know, you guys can have your Super Bowls and whatnot, your World Series and whatnot, your March Madnesses and whatnot, but we have approached, in my opinion, the greatest week in all of sportsdom and that is Masters Week. And it's just crazy that we had the Masters back in November, and six months later, we get it again. I mean, it truly is the gift that keeps on giving, and I'm so excited. Is this your favorite sporting event? Mine is the NCAA tournament, but is this your favorite sporting event, World Series, Stanley Cup, tennis, you know, football? This is it? Yeah, this is the holy grail of sports events for me. And then I would say... The Mar- you know, March Madness NCAA tournament is number two. So you kind of get a bang, bang. Like it's the the best like three or four weeks of the entire yeah. year. As it's far a as a really I'm good week. It is yep, a very absolutely. good week. You've got opening day of baseball as well. NCAA tournament. We may have a couple thoughts on that. We're also joined by Weston Mills, who was asking like, gosh, should we delay the show until KU gets a new AD? Well, Weston, guess what? You want a new AD, you got a new AD. So what strings did you have to pull to make this happen? Look, I placed a few calls. Uh, you know I like to make this show about me, so we'll, we'll talk about the angles I've got. No, I had nothing. Guys, I, I did think I did think it was coming, though. I tweeted like two weeks ago, hey, this is going to be your, your new AD, and I think uh, I completely whiffed on it. But uh, at least, hey, I put it out there. I missed. Still happy either way, so glad to get into that. You know what? We're proud of you not being on the fence for a change. You put yourself out there. You were terribly wrong. But you know what? <laughs> we we appreciate it. We're, we're applauding you for that. So well done. Just a quick reminder, shows available on all the major podcasting platforms, including Apple and Google, Spotify and Stitcher. Best place to get the show, obviously, is still cogpod.podomatic.com. If you dare to watch the show, you can do that on YouTube. Search Keeper of the Games or by going to facebook.com slash Keeper of the Games. Please do whatever podcast you're on. Hit that like and subscribe button if it has one. Make sure to turn on notifications. You get alerted every time a new show drops. Every week we drop the show sometime between Tuesday and Thursday. Kind of depends on the week. You can connect with us on social media by sending us a message on Facebook Checking out the website, cogsports.com, or by following us on Twitter at CogPod. Also, apologies to the people who are watching because I am wearing a hat, which I don't think looks very good. The hat is definitely the best part about it. Shout out to Drew Mouse, Newman Jets baseball, for this fantastic hat. Really hooked me up with uh, with T-shirts. Got the alternate hat as well this year. And I love this hat. I love the end. I love this hat. So thank you very much, Coach Mouse. Really appreciate Newman baseball with the hookup there. 
Uh, coming up on the show today, KU gets a new AD, Bill Self gets a new deal, and the Shockers, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, they are absolutely tearing up the Diamonds over there on the east side. But we begin today with Royals baseball, which I feel is appropriate. It is baseball season. Kansas City is 3-1. and one. They took two of three from the Texas Rangers, spoiled the season opener of Jacobs Field or Progressive Field, whatever field it is up there for the Indians. They beat the Indians 3-0. They've also going to be facing the Tribe today as you're watching this on Wednesday. First pitch is at 12.10. So if you're a video a viewer of the podcast, it may already be underway. For audio, it's probably going to be coming or maybe even live right now. Uh, Danny Duffy, guys, I we had the conversation about him and I told you this was a put up or shut up year. So far, the early returns on Danny Duffy are good. Obviously, he's going to have tougher tasks than the Indians, I think, but he really shut down the tribe in that game on Monday. Six innings, Two hits, no runs, five strikeouts, three walks a little high. But, you know, if you only give up two hits, you can afford to be a little wild. Very impressive start. Brad Keller, on the other hand, did not have a good start. About the opposite, he was dreadful in his start. Luckily, the offense bailed him out. An inning and a third, nine hits, six earned runs, two walks, no strikeouts. And we've also been a kind of up and down offensively. Whit Merrifield has been the best offensive player, and Salvador Perez has struggled early. But, Tommy, obviously very difficult and would be very premature to extrapolate a 162-game season out of the first four games. But for me, at least early on, I think I was expecting Texas to be pretty decent. I don't know if they're going to be a really great team this year. I'm not sure where the projections are for them. Uh, Indians were projected to be kind of in the middle of the pack of the of the American League Central. It sounds like they're not really trying to focus on winning. But overall, 3-1 and one start to the year. I like what I've seen. How much do you like what you have seen? Well, yeah, I've got to I've got to address what you just said about the offense for Kansas City being kind of up and down. I mean, I don't know what you've been watching. It's been more up than down, um, a lot more up than down. You know, they they played at fourteen runs in uh, on opening day. They followed that up with an eleven run performance in the second game. Now, yes, I meant individually because like Salvador Perez has not hit the ball well as a true. team. They to to clarify as a team, they've been phenomenal. But there have been elements of the lineup, pockets of the lineup that have not been as good. Well, in one of those pockets, it's been really good as a guy that, you know, we spent 45 minutes last week giving our Royals preview, and we didn't mention this guy's name one time, and that's Michael A. Taylor in center field for the Royals. Six RBIs in the first two games uh, for for Michael A. Taylor, and obviously Whit Merrifield has started off the season incredibly well also. Um, You know, so you've got to feel optimistic if you're a Royals fan about what Kansas City has been able to do do on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, I, I feel kind of like you know obviously it's only four games into the season but I feel like things have sort of gone a little bit on track with what the consensus was amongst the three of us last week on this program about how we felt like the offense was going to be capable and in some cases really solid and then the pitching staff was going to have question marks but maybe not as many question marks as last season and I think we've seen that to an extent you know again we're only four games into the season but the Royals are sitting in first place in the American League Central right now and uh, I, I think that they are on pace to be a team if this holds to again sort of be that Cinderella team that we look at down the stretch you know and I think that's it is right on par with what we talked about it, and even with the pitching I'm not I think maybe my concern is not what everybody else saw. So like with Brad Keller, I am not at all concerned about that start. Um, If you watch that game, 
in uh, Steve Montgomery, who uh, does a sorry jeff montgomery who does a fantastic job you know chiming in with with that broadcast was pointing out something that i thought was important you know brad keller consistently was touching 96 97 in that opening day and that he does not normally hit that high so he was it's not that he was getting his stuff hit necessarily i mean he was missing marks more than if that makes sense it's more that he was missing his spots than he was throwing his his good stuff and they were just hitting it um and that's just gonna happen that's the nature of baseball and you can certainly understand how opening day nerves uh you know kind of getting amped up and and clearly the reason i touch on the the miles per hour you know he's just overthrowing the baseball that's something that's easily fixed that's not a mechanical thing um so we can certainly adjust that later on i was a little more disappointed in brady singer's start um just because you do want to see him you know take that next step and certainly one game is nothing to, to panic about um but, you know, I, I wanted to see him get going right out of the gate. I, I truly think he's actually the ace of our staff or, or he needs to be. Um, it, it may not be this year or next year, but he's got the ta- he has more talent than any other pitcher on our staff currently. Um, whether that translate, you know, to the numbers, to the wins is to be seen. But I think he has more talent than anybody else. And then Danny Duffy, absolutely fantastic. And I, I think, again, I, I kind of mentioned, you know, he's one of those students of the game really loves the art of pitching. And I think you are, I think you're kind of seeing him reinvent himself a little bit, not a lot. Cause he's always been, you know, that style of pitcher, but he used to kind of be able to rear back and hit 98, you know, and you're not going to see that out of him anymore. He is much more locating, much more the art of setting a guy up, you know, changing that levels of the zone. And that is exactly what you saw. So, uh, you know, I'm not disappointed in the bullpen or in the pitching. I'm excited about what we saw out of the bullpen too. They pretty solid and kind of like Blake mentioned with the hitting, there were some spots in the bullpen that was, inconsistent some down but overall i thought the the bullpen did pretty well so um you know even the we we clearly are all excited about the hitting but i think the pitching um there's still a lot to be hopeful about there as well and like you both mentioned we're only four games in so still a whole bunch to be learned about this royal team yeah the wade davis you know is is a real interesting case because he has a fantastic whip but he's given up a lot of runs and then you've got greg holland a guy who has given up no runs but had to pitch out of all kinds of danger in his two-thirds of an inning and i think it was you tommy we were talking about the guys and i i know that i mentioned them as well how we thought that stoman and and barlow were going to be very important for the royals out of the bullpen and they were both very good and another guy who i mean we I, i feel like we need to apologize or maybe it's just me but Nicky Lopez is coming at the shortstop spot he's he hit 430 in the first four games so you can't ask for much more out of Nicky Lopez who did not have a good spring training at all and the other thing too already an injury is Hunter Dozier was out with I believe it's a thumb injury and Hanser Alberto has come in at the hot corner played pretty well defensively had three doubles out of his five hits 385, 5 for 13 in the first four games. So Hanser Alberto, what a find he has been for the Royals at the hot corner, filling in at third base. So I, I, you know, obviously it's a long, long season, 
But, you know, you've got Carlos Santana, who's doing about what his career average is. He's hitting 267. And if things continue, obviously, Salvador Perez and Jorge Soler are going to have to do much, much better than they are. But again, very, very early. But you can kind of see, it, and Whit Merrifield is never going to hit over 400. It's not going to happen. I, I don't believe it's going to happen. I would love to be wrong. I don't think he's going to, you know, three homers and nine RBIs. He's not going to get three home runs and nine RBIs every season series but i think that you do have a lot to be optimistic about at least through you know four games you know the royals might lose by a hundred on wednesday but i'm very optimistic about what i have been able to listen to so far uh from the royals radio network about the royals and 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 how they've played against texas and that first game up in cleveland the one thing i do want to point out i think it's interesting Go I was ahead, going Weston. Go ahead. Yeah, I just have a quick point about just a little. I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit, uh, maybe a point of caution for Royals fans. I do think the Rangers pitching staff is, is was projected to maybe be one of the worst um, in, in major leagues, if mm. not uh, you know historically bad. That pitching staff well, is it sure not didn't look good. very good, especially that first game. Yeah, they're they're not a good team. Their their pitching is worse than their hitting, as as you saw. Um, but still a ton of runs were put up. You still got to put the ball in play and they did that. So, uh, you know, that's the only thing to be cautious about with this Royals offense and, and doing it over with a little bit better pitching staff. Tommy, do you feel like the defenses, because we are coming off of the, of the weird season, with you know and this different spring training do you feel like the offenses are going to be ahead of the pitching this year is that how you see this playing out in the early going you know that that's hard to say i think yeah. it's going to be i think it's going to be a case by case basis i'm not sure you can make a blanket uh sure. you know assessment of that four games into the season right now but there there is cause for optimism yeah. um you know and, and and i think you've seen that kind of across Major League Baseball in in the first, you know, couple games of the season. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Going back to your point, though, about Danny Duffy, um, when when we were going over our preview a week ago and talking about who we were looking forward to seeing pitching and who are we who we were nervous about to see pitch. Obviously, Danny Duffy was the guy that I know, Blake, you talked quite a bit about. He, he needed to step up or there needed to be questions about whether or not he should stay in Kansas City. What I thought was really telling about his performance, and again, it's his first start of the season, and we'll see where it goes from there. But in that game against the Indians, he did what he had struggled with throughout the entire 2020 season, and that was second and third time through the batting order. In 2020, 100%. His first time through the batting order, he had a, an ERA of, of just over one. It's like 1.09. His second and third times through the lineups, 7.89 and 6.75 respectively. So clearly lineups were, were adjusting to him, figuring him out after they saw him the first time. And he was really able to avoid that, you know, uh, against Cleveland in his very first start. You know, he scattered two hits over six scoreless innings. He had a little bit of trouble in the fourth inning with the leadoff double, but then was able to sort of neutralize that threat a little bit from Cleveland. So if he can continue doing that, that was the big Achilles heel from Danny Duffy last season. Again, if he can keep that going, then I think that he'll have a pretty productive season. 
So, so far, the Royals off to a very good start, tied for first place in the American League Central. Looking ahead at the schedule, like we said, uh, like I said at the beginning of the show, expect that this podcast to probably be dropping about the time that the Royals are taking on the Indians. For those of you listening, those of you watching, that game is probably already underway uh, to wrap up a short two-game series against the Indians. I don't know why Major League Baseball does this, but they really ease teams into the schedule now. So the Royals actually have three days off in the first 10 days of the schedule. They've got the White Sox on the road starting Thursday for a three-game set over four days. They'll play Saturday, Sunday, and starting Saturday will start the – first really big stretch of the season as they'll play from Saturday the 10th all the way through the 21st and most of those games will be at home starting with the Angels on the 12th uh, so it'll be interesting to see how the Angels roll out Mike Trout and that lineup this year uh, coming up on 7-10 on Monday uh, I go ahead Tommy Blake, I did have one thing. I don't know if we're moving on away from this topic or not, but one thing that I think is interesting to keep your keep our eyes on, uh, and you you mentioned him, you referenced him at the very beginning of us talking about the Royals, and that's Nicky Lopez. And of sure. course, we've got to be you know happy about his production in the first four games of the season. He's batting six for fourteen. He's got an on base percentage of point four three eight right now. He is producing. The question, though, and I would love to get your guys' opinion on this, is clearly I think a lot of people thought he was going to be demoted, right? And oh, for sure. I, I, at, I, at some I, point crushed, was, I crushed Nicky Lopez last week. Yeah. I, so so let, me, let me be the first guy to say corrections and retractions. We do that. I mean, I know it's just one game, but I crushed Nicky Lopez. So what an idiot I look like for that when he goes on hit six for 14. But here, here's my question. So I mean, I don't, I don't think anybody can blame you for that prediction because he hit, you know, 118 in spring training. He hit 201 right. last season. You know, it wasn't very good coming into the season at all. But the question is, if he continues up this production, I'm sure a lot of Royals fans were looking at Nicky Lopez as being the prime candidate to move down, and maybe a guy like Bobby Witt Jr. to move up. So as long as Nicky Lopez is productive. What does that look like for Kansas City? And so that's been a question I've been wrestling with for the last couple of days or so. Where do you guys stand on that? I, and again, I know, Blake, you're hosting, so I'll, I'll defer back to you. Yeah, Weston, before we move on, I will give you a chance to answer this question. I think you have to stay with the hot bat, though. Uh, if he's hitting 400, you cannot – You, it would be a fireable offense to send him down if he continues to hit – above 300 you you can't send him down unless he is just the worst shortstop in the history of baseball is just a sieve out there you can't send him down I don't care if Bobby Wood Jr. is supposed to be the next Mike Trout if he's hitting 300 you know what you have now with Bobby Wood Jr. there are going to be questions because he's never done it at the major league level before and he's got a lot of talent and everybody's real excited about it but in my mind as long as Nicky Lopez is playing like this you have to keep him at the major league level Weston I know you're a Bobby Witt guy and I'm not even saying that you shouldn't be but can you really send, see him coming up and Lopez going down if Lopez continues hitting like this? I can't. So I think you guys are actually looking at this entirely the wrong way because it's not – so actually to start the season, Nicky Lopez was in – he was demoted to AAA. Mondesi's injury occurred before the season started, so Lopez was immediately called back up. So this is not a question sure. of and, – and, and so let me back up. Why Lopez was sent down to AAA was not a question of Bobby Witt. 
it was a question of Kyle Isabel. Kyle Isabel came on, therefore playing right field, which allowed them to bump Whit Merrifield to second base. They chose Kyle Isabel over Nicky Lopez on this roster. So I think as we're looking forward, it's not a question of what they have in Bobby Witt. It's a matter of getting Mondi back because obviously if Mondi's back – I mean, Nicky Lopez can stay on the roster. That that That's fine, but Mondi's going to be the starting shortstop. And then it's a matter of, do you like what you've seen out of Kyle Isabel so far? Or do you want to go ahead and keep Nicky Lopez up here? And really, uh, you know, Kyle Isabel through a four-game stretch, which is not much. I mean, not a great, not, well, I mean, not terrible. Has six strikeouts, uh, but, you know, five for 14. So Five hits, though. Yeah, five for 14, six strikeouts. So, but my point more being like on the same level, like he's right there playing with Nicky Lopez. Like neither one of them, w- would you say, I-, I think really caught my attention other than Lopez has our attention because he was the guy that was going to be demoted and brought back up. Um, but I don't think this is a question of Bobby Witt. I think it's a question of Kyle Isabel or Nicky Lopez. But to, to that note, I think you guys are right. As long as Nicky Lopez is playing well, they're going to find a way to keep him up here. I think they like him. I think he does a lot of the small things. Um, they do have a lot of infielders. So like Hanser Alberto and Witt both can play every position on the field. So it that's one thing where like if you know push comes to shove, do they decide they need a, they want an extra arm in the bullpen? Uh, Nicky might be uh-huh. the odd guy out just in that sense. But the, again, it's that's all things being equal between him and Kyle Isabel. Yeah, you were definitely right about the strikeouts. Isbell's on-base percentage has not been good. He just hasn't been able to find ways to get on base, whereas Lopez has been putting the ball in play more. Now, I I will not lie. I did not go back and look at statistics from their careers in terms of who's going to be the better guy getting on base long-term. But so far this season, it's definitely been Nicky Lopez. So once again, Royals next in action uh, today and then at the White Sox for a three-game set starting Thursday back in Kansas City on Monday. This wasn't on the rundown, guys, but it is something that I want to mention. Um, The Royals are in an interesting spot right now because this is the time period that many teams would be trying to tank. And we had that discussion about, is this the right time to tank? Because the Royals obviously have done the opposite of that with the signings of Santana, Benintendi, Brainback Davis, the Royals have been spending money. And so they, and they are, you know, Dayton Moore told in that, said in that Yahoo article that he wants to put out a competitive team each year. So they are trying to have and build that connection with their fans. But I think that they are shooting themselves in the foot. And it's because of this. The Royals have a distribution problem. If you want to watch Royals baseball, you have to watch it on Bally Sports Midwest, which by the way, doesn't that sound like an April Fool's joke? I saw that come out on April Fool's. Like it's Bally Sports Midwest. The backstory is that Sinclair acquired the Fox Sports Regional Network's from Fox as part of the 21st century deal a few years ago, but they were only allowed to use the Fox Sports name for a certain amount of time. And obviously they did a terrible job with their rebrand, but it's Bally Sports Kansas City now is the rights holder for the Royals. And they are simply not available. They're not available on YouTube TV or Hulu Live, Sling or Fubo TV, which are the four leading alternatives for cord cutters out there. So basically, you got Cox and you got AT&T. And only on AT&T, if you pay about $85 a month for the choice package, I believe that the Royals are really damaging their chances to try to build up that fan base because you simply do not have access to the channel. 
unless you're buying Cox and we have seen Tommy, you're in you're in the digital media. You you do this on a daily basis. This is your actual job. So I would love to hear from you in terms of the distribution of the Royals. Listen, I am the weird person that doesn't mind listening, and sometimes I'll actually choose to listen to a game on the radio instead of watching it, but I would like to watch it. And, you know, sure, I, maybe I should just get myself a better-paying job and go ahead and shell out $90 a month for AT&T, but I don't really feel like doing that. I feel like the Royals are really missing an opportunity here to capture a bigger audience. I feel, and this is not all their fault, I realize it's Bally Sports, they're the ones that need to get the deal done with all these other providers, but not being as widely available as they should be, not a good way to start building up your franchise if you're trying to start competing for World Series again. I guess my position on this is pretty similar to what my position has been about Big 12 now on ESPN+. Plus. Um, and, and and so I, I don't, I don't kind of waver from that opinion, um, which, which is, is simply put, I don't mind the the progress in technology. I don't mind um, because we all know where where technology is moving. We all know how digital television and over the top TV and you know sort of that a la carte menu of uh, getting your content. How, how that's grown over time, right? Um, and really has exploded in the past couple of years. I mean, even just from an entertainment perspective, the, the huge, you know, release of Paramount Plus and Peacock and, you know, some of these big time content um, houses where you're you're dropping five or six dollars a month doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but then all of a sudden you have ten of those subscriptions for all the different <laughs> things that you want, and then you're pretty much paying for a cable package at that point, right? So yeah. I don't mind I don't mind the technology, but I feel like it's disingenuous. I feel like it's disingenuous to tell consumers, uh, you know, look, we we're providing this service to you on uh, on platforms that are you know, that th- have the future in mind. No, you're just trying to get more money out of people. And if you were honest about it, then I think more <laughs> people would be able to swallow that. It's a cash grab and that's fine if it's a cash grab, but just be honest that it's a cash grab. So w- when it comes to the Royals, when it comes to the Bally sports, you know, deal and, and keep in mind, it's not just the Royals either. There no. are a lot of teams that all of a sudden a big portion of their fan base can't watch their games anymore. I know I read an article a couple of days ago about the Texas Rangers and how big of a state is Texas. And uh, uh, so many of Texas Rangers fans can't access the games because they don't have access to Valley sports. So when it comes to the Royals, I definitely understand. Um, and it's almost kind of the inverse issue, right? Of what the big 12 now was where you could only get that on ESPN plus this, you can't really get on a streaming service service you almost have to have cable to be able to watch you know the, the royals games you can and get- i would love to to have a five dollar a month thing right. i would i would swallow it i can cancel spotify premium i don't have to have that i would do that but it's but that's not an option that is available because you know they don't even have their bally sports app that's supposed to be out it's not even done yet and and yeah. you're right and, and this might be just like a baseball problem tommy because there are 21 networks and just about all the ballet sports networks have baseball on them. And we've heard so much about how baseball is not keeping pace with the NBA, with the NFL. And I think that this is a big part about a a big has a big, you know, part of it. It's a big component of it. 
And and without getting into a huge discussion about how baseball is televised versus sure. other sports, I do think it's, in my opinion, and I, I'm sure a lot of people would probably agree with this, uh, it is much, much, much more difficult to garner an audience for Major League Baseball than it is for a, a marquee event like the, the NFL, you know, or for NBA games. You've got 162 games over the course of eight months. And for the most casual fan, they might not even be tuning in until the playoffs or maybe even the World Series. Um, I, I, I love baseball. I follow the Royals in the American League. I follow the Braves in the National League. I've, I think I've, I watched opening day. I've not, and I love them, but I, you know, I just, it's hard to sit down and watch a, a baseball game, just the pacing of it and all of that on television. Um, so I think that they, there's a hard time, especially when like Valley sports is so regionalized for mm-hmm. them to be able to make a lot of money off of it and to be able to find a way to satisfy not only the fans, but then also find a way to make it profitable for them. And that's kind of where that intersection is. They haven't figured it out yet. I'm not, I don't understand why the model has changed from the last couple of years with Fox Sports, I understand there was the transaction and everything, but mm-hmm. why, 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 why change it? Why fix it if it's not broken? And I, I'm not sure it was broken. So it'll be interesting to see how things pan out. Um, but I do agree with you that there there is an issue with with people that want to watch their team. But like in my case, I have AT and T Uverse, so I have Valley Sports KC, so I can watch the Royals whenever I want. I don't have to worry about that. But you are alienating those fans that either can't afford to or are not willing to shell out that money for a big cable package right now. Yeah, I want to. So, so couple, the Royals. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Tom. Go ahead, Weston. So a couple things to add. To You've this. got Google Fiber up there in Kansas City, right? So yeah, I, I think they carry the Royals in Kansas City. Well, I only. So I'm a cord cutter. I only do. I only have Google Fiber for my internet. But I'm also wondering, uh, you know, the cord cutters being most of us millennials. Uh, maybe probably a lot of Gen Z, yeah. Gen Z too, but so like I've been watching the Royals games because my father-in-law has a cable package, so I just log in on the well <laughs> Fox Sports Go app is still playing you know things that are on Bally Sports, um, so I just log into my father-in-law's Cox account and that's how I've been watching. So I wonder if there's a lot of that, just like you know the very open like everyone sure. shares everyone's Netflix password. Um, but sure. I, I heard I heard an interesting. Uh, interview today uh, with, and I know we don't cover a WWE much on this podcast, but so WWE apparently recently, <laughs> no, uh, we should, we right? totally should. Hey, we can, we can add a quick segment, but th- apparently they have migrated all of the WWE network, which includes my understanding is like those pay-per-view events to the Peacock. So now for the price of the Peacock, you yes. get all the content of the WWE network. And they were talking to triple H about it. And, you know, they've obviously got a lot of blowback, for that. And he was kind of saying like, look, anytime you make changes like this, people are going to complain. Like there is no right way to do this because you're no matter how you do it, people are going to complain. But, um, but I'm with you. I, I, uh, I agree with all your points. I just thought that was kind of an inter- interesting perspective from someone who I think triple H is like the VP of communications or something like that. He's real high up there. Yeah, in yeah. WWE, Real mm-hmm. high up. Um, but so 
And then my other point being, I, I saw this on cordcutternews.com, not something I follow, just something I found for the purposes of this conversation. <laughs> um, but it's talking about Bally Sports and it says the direct, uh, so there's a soon to be a direct to consumer option. It says there are future plans to bring Bally Sports RSNs, meaning the regional sports networks, directly to consumers without the need to subscribe to a third party provider. Unfortunately, the service will not be available at launch. However, there are plans to bring the networks directly to the fans in 2022. So so, I mean, you're looking at a year of struggle followed by, you sure. know, hopefully that direct access that everyone wants. I think it's going to be bumpy this year. I think they're going to, the Royals are going to take a lot of heat like other teams. Um, but ultimately it sounds like this is going to shake out. And I don't know if you guys heard, but I think I had read something a while back. This, the, the Bally sports angle was supposed to be tied to the sports gambling that's legalizing. So Bally is, yeah. is going to mm-hmm. kind of the rebrand is supposed to be much more. You're going to see the live lines and the over unders. And uh, you know, those, those kind of things are going to be posted and forward on the, which I, th- I think is really smart. But as of right now, you know, we're all, that's kind of seems like something that doesn't affect us, but coming in the near future. The only thing that I'll add uh, is that they better deliver on the functionality and the access, mm-hmm. the direct, the direct, uh, sorry, the direct to consumer piece, the sports betting, the lines, all of that. They better deliver on all of that because they have underwhelmed everyone so far. Um, so a, they, they better come to play in 2022. Yeah, I actually heard from a friend uh, who does sports talk radio up in Topeka on 580, and they had trouble with their distribution from Cox. So they the opening day broadcast had problems, and I believe Google Fiber also had problems with the Bally Sports broadcast on opening day up there in your neck of the woods, uh, Weston. So yeah, not off to it. Not a great start for Bally Sports. Um, you know, Kansas City. Don't know how you feel about them. Anyway, I like most of the guys. I don't. You know, unlike uh, Weston and Tommy as a play by play guy myself, I try to distance myself from criticizing the broadcasters. You heard from them. They're strong opinions of certain broadcasters on those. Networks networks on that network uh, last week. So uh, I'll let them argue it out if they would like to. Uh, Moving on here to Lawrence, Kansas, a new athletic director is now in the saddle for the University of Kansas. Travis Goff is the new AD. He moves to the University of Kansas from Northwestern. He was the deputy director of athletics there, and he primarily worked with football, volleyball, and baseball for the Wildcats, previously an associate AD of external affairs at Tulane, worked and went to school at KU, however, so he is a Jayhawk coming home, going to be introduced at a conference at the Leeds Center on the West Campus. Uh, Probably it's already occurred if you are listening to this on the day we release it, which is Wednesday, April 7th. Probably that's already happened or it's in progress right now. $700,000 annually over the next three years as part of a five-year contract. He'll be the 10th highest paid AD in the Big 12. Jeff Long was making about a million and a half dollars per year under his contract. Boy, were we setting money on fire with that deal. Northwestern football, guys, has been relevant, and that's the thing that I'm most excited about. It is the perfect analogy, in my mind, as to what KU football should aspire to. Because make no mistake, obviously, 
Travis Goff has to keep Kansas basketball where it has been, which has been a top five program in the country since Bill Self has arrived. He still needs to work on the facilities all across the the campus. Although I think facilities are actually in a pretty good spot. They've done renovations at uh, at Hoagland Ballpark. They just built that fantastic Horish fa- uh, family volleyball arena up there for the volleyball program. Um, football obviously needs to get you know more updates. I think there's more in the pipeline for Allen Fieldhouse, but you know I've been. The Allen Fieldhouse is in a really good spot right now. I don't think you need to put more money into that. But Northwestern football has zero seasons under three wins in the Pat Fitzgerald era, which dates back to 2006. Only two seasons under five wins since the turn of the millennium. Ten bull appearances since 2008. Three 10-win seasons. Two division titles in the Big Ten West. And they won the Citrus Bowl last year. Finished in the top 25 in three of the last four. Four of the last six. In my mind, Tommy... That is exactly what Kansas football needs to aspire to. Once we are there, we can start worrying about, okay, can we compete for conference championships? Can we get into BCS bowl games or New Year's Six games? Right now, we need to get to where Northwestern is. So I don't know really that much about Goff. I don't have real strong opinions about Goff one way or the other. Everybody seems to think he's a nice guy. Jeff Long was kind of a jackass, let's all be honest, and kind of all about him. And, and Tommy, you've kind of, after being so pro Jeff Long on the hire, you've kind of been leading the, you know, Jeff Long is kind of about Jeff Long um, train here these last few months. So I'll let you expand on that. But, you know, I don't have real strong feelings about the hire, and I think that that's okay. You don't want a hire that everybody hates. You want a hire that everybody wants to say, okay, let me get to know this guy. Because it, at, at the end of the day, being an athletic director is about doing what? About engendering relationships. Because obviously the number two job of the AD is to make money. You've got to make money. And he is being hired to fix Kansas football. Make no mistake about that. So, so far, everybody that I've read seems to think that they want to get to know Goff. And to me, that's okay. Here's where we're at with the state of KU athletics as a whole right now. Um, what I'm most excited about with Travis Goff as the new athletic director, and, and I'm t- I don't know the guy. I've never met him. I, I don't know him from Adam. I'm just quoting from the KUSports.com from the Lawrence Journal World. Uh, I believe Matt Tate wrote the article, quoting from his article where he says, and I quote, described by those who know him as a, quote, really good guy. Goff's familiarity with all things Kansas. And then it goes on to talk about how it made him a name to watch uh, for the opening. That's what I'm most excited about. That's the state of Kansas athletics right now is that I'm excited that we hired an athletic director. That's not a pompous asshole. I'm excited that we, (laughs) we didn't hire another athletic director who was all about himself. Uh, Tell tell us, uh, tell us your honest opinion there, Tom, but you, but you're, you're correct though. Uh, when when Jeff Long was brought in, I was 1000% on board with that hire. I was excited about that hire. We obviously didn't have a podcast you know, uh, going at that time. So I could have easily just deflected that and said, no, I didn't like him from the start. No, I did. I liked Jeff Long. I thought he had all of the credentials in the world to turn around the football program. I thought he had the pedigree to do it, but he was so consumed with Jeff Long. He was so consumed about his own image. Uh, and just so there was just drama from nearly day one with Jeff Long. So having a guy that is just solid 
and that has a high level of integrity that people seem to respect quite a bit, that seem to like him quite a bit, that he can cultivate relationships. And you're 1000% spot on when you talk about the role of the athletic director is cultivating those relationships. You have to do it with your coaches. You have to do it with your administration. You have to do it with your, your, your staff, your subordinates, your student athletes the donors, the fan base, your job is to cultivate those relationships. And that was something that Jeff Long, which is surprising because he'd been in this world for so long that you would think he would know this by now, was tone deaf to everybody around him. And it was all about Jeff Long. Assuming that Travis Goff is at least halfway better at that than Jeff Long was, I think it's a good move for the University of Kansas. You're right. He's got a monumental task in front of him. I'm sure that he is up to the challenge. Um, You know, He's a a 2002 grad of KU, so he was there, what, at the very, very beginning of the Mark Mangino years? Uh, Wasn't there for the overwhelming success with Mark Mangino, but probably saw it from afar for sure. Obviously, it was his alma mater, so I'm sure he followed that. Uh, and, and so I think that he's got obviously a lot to work on. First things first is going to be figuring out the direction with Kansas football. And he's got a big decision to make. Does he go out there and try to find a coach? Does he stick with them at Jones for the season? Uh, I don't know if you guys saw, and I know this is kind of a little bit off topic, but uh, announced when, when it was announced that Travis Goff was named the AD on Monday, there were several Kansas football players that tweeted out their support for Emmett Jones to retain the job. Again, they did it the first time and they did it again on Monday, basically saying they wanted to roll with Emmett Jones for the season. So he's going to have a big decision to make pretty much right out of the gate because yeah, there's there might be a little bit of time, but we're into spring practices right now. So Mm -hmm. things need to be moving pretty quickly one way or another. There, there is no question in my mind. He needs to keep and he's, it's a perfect situation. He needs to keep him at Jones in the interim position. You're coming in, your spring, spring practices are going. What a perfect setup in my mind for him to say, look, we've got an interim place. The guys respect him. We don't want to rush a decision anyways. And then that gives you a year tryout to see see what Emmett Jones has got, see what the, how the program responds, see how this team responds to Emmett Jones. And if it doesn't work out, then you say, okay, we're gonna we're we're gonna go out and hire somebody. We're gonna we're gonna take that opportunity um, and do this. But going back to, to Travis Goff, the thing is, I I think I'll even take it a step further, Tommy, than kind of what you're saying. I think all he has to do, and this is based on the state of Kansas athletics. And and I think you, you're saying that in a sense of what, what, how low the bar has been set, but I'm saying in a sense of <laughs> the pedigree yeah. that Kansas athletic has really any AD, all you need to do is not screw it up. I mean, you know what I'm saying? I mean, obviously there's some, you need to build on the football team, but, but for the most part, yeah, I feel like you can have a decent career at Kansas as an AD by just not screwing things up. Jeff Long screwed things up. The carousel of football coaches prior to Jeff Long was a screw up. I mean, don't not, we deserve a little better than that, though? No. Shouldn't we aspire for a little Absol- more? Absolutely, just don't screw it up. Absolutely, but that my point is is that you know. <laughs> There's a there is an easy path to having a to having a decent career in in the Kansas athletic department uh, by coming in because the program itself 
has so, and it's obviously on the basketball side, but has such a le- legendary level of success. Kind of like, in my opinion, like, the same conversation I had, I had had with Wichita State and hiring Isaac Brown is that program is to a place where you're going to get a good coach. The program itself speaks speaks for itself in bringing kids in and continuing to have success and you don't want to screw things up. And I, I hundred percent understand that I'm very much oversimplifying this and there's much more to it than that. And, and I, but I, I guess my point being, you know, really just to say to, to maybe even highlight, and this kind of goes full circle to, to Tommy pointing out the state of where things actually were that low bar set by Jeff long is the full circle is how bad Jeff long screwed up to, to get dislodged, you know, two, two years in, is that right? Is it was through three years in, I guess be three years in. So, you know, obviously I think we're all, you know, relatively excited that just someone's been named and that he's a Jayhawk. So one thing I want to add is that, uh, I don't know if you guys ever do this. I'm, I'm, I think a lot of people probably do. Um, one thing I think is really important as a KU fan when there are personnel changes is to look at the quotes that are released by Bill Self, who is the elder, <laughs> he's the, he's the elder statesman of the athletic department now. I mean, he's been there for nearly 20 years um, and he's going to be there a lot longer. We'll you know what else he is, he is, Tommy? He's What's also that? the guy taking home the most of these, the most dollars. That's true. That's true. So it, he's he's he always releases these statements whenever there's a big personnel change. And I think it's important to look at what he says, but then also look at what he doesn't say and read between the lines a little bit. And so I compared the quotes from Bill Self of when Shane Zinger was let go. And Bill Self was very close to to Dr. Zinger, uh-huh. and his statement said, you know, something like, "I'm I'm I'm sad for his family. I'm devastated for him. You know, blah blah blah." Then I looked at the the release when Jeff Long was let go. There was none of that. It was basically, "We wish him well in his future endeavors." You know, like it was very cut to the <laughs> you know cut to the chase, get to the point, you know, kind of deal. There had been rumblings of friction between Jeff Long and Bill Self that mm-hmm. obviously have not been confirmed, but we don't have to talk about that. But then you read Bill Self's release about the hiring of Travis Goff. His words, and I quote, were Travis Goff is exactly who the University of Kansas needs at this time. That's high praise coming yeah. from Bill Self. Now, obviously, Bill Self wields a lot of power at the University of Kansas, and for good reason. And so that dynamic between an athletic director and Bill Self is always going to be kind of interesting to, to, to you know to basically look at. You know, you look at Jeff Long, who I think wanted to be in control, wanted the power, where you had a guy like Shay and Zinger who was okay with kind of giving up that limelight to Bill Self. Uh, I think Travis Goff will be a little bit more in that same vein of Shay and Zinger. I think we'll defer a little bit more, at least with that program, to the Hall of Famer, Bill Self, right? So uh, it's always interesting to me to kind of take a look and see what he says and how he says it and what he doesn't say. And I think that his release about Travis Goff says all you, it says all you need to know about what the uh, the coaching, just in general, the coaching staff at KU, what they think about this hire. Because I think in a lot of cases, maybe not always, but I think in a lot of cases, Bill Self kind of speaks for all the coaches at KU because he's got the biggest platform sure. that to, you know, to speak from. So I, I would think that he's going to be able to cultivate those relationships in a pretty meaningful way with the coaching staffs at uh, the different programs at KU. I think he might be, 
I don't think he's the dean of Kansas coaches. I think that's, I believe it's actually Ray Bouchard, but he, if it's not Coach Bouchard of volleyball, then it's going to be, it's going to be Bill Self. So going back to, to reply to what Weston said, the only pushback I have on Emma Jones is don't keep Emma Jones to win a popularity contest. Don't keep Emma Jones because it's going to look good. It's going to make certain people feel good. And it's going to play good in the papers. Keep Emma Jones because you believe in him. Because if you do it for any other reason, you're disrespecting Emma Jones and your program. Don't do it just because the kid, the college kids are idiots. We've, we've had this conversation so many times. Now, obviously, it, it, I would feel differently about it if it was a midseason situation like it was at Wichita State, where they have been with this guy. He's been there for a long time. I'd feel a little differently about it. But I do agree with Weston. Football coaches are not hired in March and April. Football coaches are hired in October, November, and December after the football season is done. And you are not going to get the really high-quality applicants that you would get at the end of the season. So for me, I don't think there's any reason to make a change. I think you. I agree with Weston. You keep Emma Jones there, and you see what he does, and you, you have a reevaluation after the season. And I think that it is important to listen to the kids and see what they say in terms of keeping him around. And to go back to what Tommy says, and this brings us into our next topic, it's very interesting to me how the dynamic between Goff and Self seems to be very positive, at least from Bill Self's perspective. I'm sure we're going to hear from uh, Mr. Goff today, or we're hearing from him right now as this podcast is, is dropping, in light of the fact that Bill Self, we talked about it last week, had not been extended. Well, now he's got a lifetime extension, a lifetime contract, a five-year rolling contract that will add a year on at the end of the deal every single year. Uh, with Bill Self to keep the keep him as the head basketball coach, it seems more than any other school that has had this happen to them. With the specter of possible NCAA sanctions looming, KU seems more than ready to go to war with the NCAA if the NCAA comes down with sanctions that KU believes are unfair or too harsh. So the question is, is this the right message? Because KU has been criticized from Paul Feinbaum to Sports Illustrated about, oh, well, obviously this shows that KU is all about winning, and it, that is more important than being clean. And Bill had very positive things to, to say about Travis in, in the hiring of Mr. Goff. And Goff, obviously, I don't see with his position how he can come in and make a change at head men's basketball coming in out of the gate just after Bill Self signs the lifetime contract. So Tommy or West, whoever wants to go first on this, Bill Self with the lifetime contract to me feels like KU is digging in its heels against the NCAA and saying, if you want to do this, we're going to go to war and we're going to make you drop the bomb on us well, if you want to fight us on this. I want to jump in because I want to let – Paul Feinbaum or whatever other Jamoke wants to make a comment on this <laughs> might be Under, understand that they're, they're fundamentally misunderstanding Kansas's position in this whole thing, because here, here's the message and the position Kansas is taking. What they've said is what we did is not illegal. They're not saying we didn't do the things you were saying we did. Their their main position, and I get their small little there's some small things outside of that, but the main point of this is what we did was allowed. So and so is not a booster under your laws. So it doesn't matter what the NCAA 
actually rules Kansas, the University of Kansas's position is we 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 understand what you're saying we did and it's not wrong so therefore no matter what the ruling is they're not going to change their mind that bill self did something wrong in this you know they don't need that decision yeah, to Paul Feinbaum's quote weston well this is what he said on his radio show he said bill self to me is the poster child for nobody in college basketball cares about integrity that's his quote uh, yeah Paul, Paul, everybody. That's like every caller that ever calls in a Paul Feinbaum who cares nothing more than whatever. If you don't tell me Nick Saban, if Nick, Nick Saban doesn't have uh, probably two fifths of, you know, the say in Paul Feinbaum's everything that out of his mouth, like don't, don't even act like Paul Feinbaum has any integrity. Get out of here with that SEC crap. Um, but look, they just – that to me, it, it's just not a question of because they don't need to wait for the results because their position is what – it's a – we're, we're not – it's not a matter of are you saying he did or didn't do something. We're saying what we did is not illegal. So it doesn't matter to them whether Bill Sell – you know, what the NCAA is ruling. So that's, that's my position on that. Also, I wonder, and this is pure speculation on my part, have no, I've not seen anybody suggest this, don't have any inside information. I'm wondering, though, also, if Kansas has been tipped off about how this ruling is going to come down. If they felt comfortable signing this contract because they have a strong you know, voice telling them, here's what's going to happen. You'd think the University of Kansas might have some inside track of, of knowledge. And again, not saying they do or don't purely speculation out of the brain of Weston Mills, which we know is a pretty powerful one. <laughs> wow. Where's the, um, I mean, you, you always purport Tommy and you have a hot. Okay. Thank you. If there's I can't ever a get hot to take, it, I can't get to it that quick. I mean, he's dropping those hot take bombs like crazy. Um, the, the, the bottom line, I mean, it wouldn't matter even if Kansas knew or didn't know had an inside track on what was going to happen because there's a clause in that contract that they can't fire him with cause regardless of what the results of any kind of NCAA investigation actually is. So um, it really wouldn't matter one way or another. I, I'm going to come at this from a little bit of a different perspective. Um, I think that this is Kansas not just digging their heels in, not just standing their ground, not just saying we're going to fight for our coach. We're going to stand up for what we believe in. I, I truly, and I'm a Kansas fan. I truly believe that Kansas has gone full heel turn on this. I know we talked about <laughs> WWE just a few minutes ago. Yeah, I think they've it. gone full heel turn. I think these are two middle fingers to not one to the NCAA and one to the national media. And basically just saying, we don't give a damn what any of you think about us. You can say that we're soulless. Paul Feinbaum, Go just talk about the SEC. Don't talk about the Big 12. <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about about the Big 12. Just go talk about Alabama and, and you know, whatever. And Auburn and just do that. Iron um, Bowl. Whatever. Like, that's fine. He's good at that. That's what he, that's how he makes his money. Cool, whatever. S you know, mind your own business. Stay down there. Um, but they've gone full heel turn. And, and here's the reason why. They signed – this contract got done. Number one – Right before Travis Goff got hired, this was Kurt Watson. This was interim athletic director, Kurt Watson, that made this contract happen with Bill Self. Kurt Watson may have been interim athletic director. And that's true. That was his official title at the time. 
Kurt Watson is a booster, a booster, (laughs) a booster signed Bill Self to a lifetime contract. A big booster too. a big booster in the in this at the same time that Kansas is being investigated by the NCAA for booster infractions. This is (laughs) this is a complete villain turn that Kansas is going full villain here. And I love it. I think it's outstanding because in the same way I view this in the same way that I look at the name image and likeness deal that's going on right now, you know, throughout college athletics and players being compensated and all of that. We are in the middle of a renaissance in college athletics. It is a bumpy, bumpy time for college athletics as a whole right now as it relates to players and revenue and them being able to make money as it relates to the transfer portal, you've seen coaches like, you know, the great Roy Williams love Roy retiring in part because he says that he no longer feels like he's the right man for the job because college basketball and college athletics are in the middle of such transformative change right now. And I think that Bill self, and I think that the university of Kansas, they believe that they can jump on and be part of this. They can be a change agent. They can be part of this moving the industry to a different place. And by doing that, they are completely throwing out all sense of decorum, all sense of norms, <laughs> all sense of traditions. And that's funny because Kansas is the epitome of college sure. basketball tradition. But right now they're saying that doesn't matter. We want to be on the right side of change. And we, and I agree with what Weston was saying. They believe they didn't do anything wrong based on the way that they interpret the rules and regulations of the NCAA. So they are going to fight that because they want to try to move college athletics forward. And by doing that, you're going to catch a lot of heat. You're going to catch a lot of criticism. Look at all the people historically in any sort of industry that they fought for transformative change. They were criticized. They were villainized. They were martyred, all of that. And then in retrospect, you look back and you you look at exactly what they did. And that's what Kansas is doing. But man, it's a lot of fun to watch them go <laughs> through this process because, you know, it, it, and it's even things like, and the, 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 the seeds have been planted for this for quite a while with, you know, the, the Snoop Dogg performance at late night with Bill Self wearing the Adidas and the chains and uh, like all that stuff is choreographed. It's like, you know what, if we're going to be accused of doing some bad things, then let's just, let's, let's just become the villain. Let's have people love to hate us. And that's what we're going to do. And, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm freaking here for it guys. I think it's great. I don't know if Kansas State fans are going to be all on board with everything you just said there, Tommy. But uh, yeah, I, I I don't necessarily disagree with anything that that you just said about Kansas going full heel turn. So a new AD, a new contract for Bill Self in Lawrence. Hey, just some other hey, news Blake, and notes. Yes, I, I do want to say one thing, and I, this might be something that you were going to bring up that, um, and I'm kind of stealing your thunder here. But uh, I, mean, I don't I know if you the show. That's true. I just wanted to point out, I don't know if you saw, have you been following Mike Vernon, uh, who is formerly a Bleacher Report, and he's one of the, uh, he's been, he's broken a lot of KU news. Um, I think he was one of the first to, to talk about uh, what Les Miles being let go. I heard and the name, I haven't been following. So he had, in the last couple of hours, he has tweeted that Lance Leopold from Buffalo 
would be receptive to the KU football job opening, according to a source. Um, There's a lot of thoughts on that as far as what Buffalo has been able to do under his tenure. Last time uh, we hired a Buffalo football coach. I'm not interested in Buffalo coaches. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, we'll, we'll see. But I mean, you're right, Tommy. His his track record has been pretty strong, and this will be a more a bigger conversation now. Now that because this will be the big the big first decision, like Weston said, when do you first, the first big decision is when do you hire a football coach, and then that second big decision is going to be who do you hire as the football coach? Yeah. So other news and notes this week from Kansas Athletics, David McCormick out 12 weeks, had surgery last week on a broken bone in his foot that we didn't even know about. Apparently played his last five games of the season on a sore foot, which certainly provides a lot more context for me for that last game against USC. Apparently came off the bench in that first round game against Eastern Washington and kind of left it all out on the floor and did not have the recovery time that he needed. So the coronavirus pandemic may have hit him at the right time to get healthy for that Eastern Washington game, just to get off the foot for a couple of weeks, but certainly did not seem to be himself and really wanting the basketball in that USC game. So that was apparently the worst pain he had during the, during the span, but successful surgery to repair that broken foot. And Jethro Muscadin has entered the transfer portal, which to me, Tommy, is absolutely zero deal whatsoever. And a big transfer, Division II, three-time All-American Cam Martin from Missouri Southern, who averaged 25 points, nine rebounds a game, shot 58% from the field, 45% from the three. He was headed to Texas by most reports, but then shot the smart bolted for Marquette. And Georgetown, UNLV, Creighton, Colorado State, and Stetson were the final six. But Jeff Boshi happened to send his film to Bill Self, and Bill Self was like, yeah, you know, he's not going to Texas now. Maybe I just got a call, and one call totally changed the entire perspective. So, Tommy, that kind of goes back to something I think you said last week. The specter of the NCAA investigations is not deterring kids from wanting to come and play uh, in Lawrence for Bill Self. No, and and we're not done yet, you know, looking at the way that Bill Self is transforming this roster. Uh, the transfer portal is a double-edged sword, right? Like, it can be sure. – negative for you. It can also be positive for you. It does give programs and coaches a lot more flexibility. Um, pretty much every player is a free agent at the end of every season, right? And so it's kind of a, uh, you kind of have to build, you can kind of build your program the way that you'd like to. And so, you know, Cam Martin obviously is a big body, you know, coming in for Kansas. I think that you're going to see, you know, a couple of other uh, commits as well pretty soon. Uh, we, you know, Bobby Pettiford uh, is a guy that he was a, a Louisville commit decommitted to Louisville. He'll end up at the university of Kansas, uh, you know, this fall, I would still keep your eyes on Ty Ty Washington. It sounds like he might be a guy Mm -hmm. that is still in the mix for Kansas. And another name to keep your eyes on is Christian Bishop from Creighton, uh, who is going to end up being a grad transfer transfer away from the blue Jays program. There's been a lot of turmoil with the Creighton program and coach Greg McDermott over the past couple of months, um, you know, due to some unfortunate situations with, with Greg McDermott. So uh, several players, you know, and and Ty Ty Washington was a commit to Creighton decommitted and, and is now considering KU. So I think Bill, self has some options. I think we're going to continue to see maybe at least two, maybe three more players commit to Kansas for the upcoming season. If it's three, that would mean one more player would need to leave. Not exactly sure who that would be at this point, um, but I think we'll at least see, you know, potentially two more, if not three more uh, come to the Jayhawks. 
The, uh, so one thing going back to Travis Goff that I wanted to add before we moved on, I don't know if you guys noticed, but uh, there's a represent representations and warranties section of his um, contract that in which he states he has not been accused of engaged in or found guilty or responsible of any kind of sexual harassment, sexual <laughs> yeah. assault or other forms of sexual misconduct or discrimination in the past 15 years. So there's that. That's good. Good for him. I like it. Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, it feels like that should be like a bottom line requirement for the job. Um, yeah. Also, if you guys would give me a few minutes to uh, talk down to some KU fans here for just a second. Um, if you're one of the KU fans who are out on social media saying about, oh, my gosh, look at how far the program has come. We lost in the second round and we haven't won a national championship since 2008. And now all we can get is Division Two players. Have you watched the second of the MIAA in like the last decade at all? I mean, have you watched any of it? Because I have. I, I, I do the play-by-play for this school. They played against Cam Martin. Cam Martin is a freaking player, okay? Three-time All-American, 25 points and nine rebounds a game, and the guy can hit the three. NBA range three. The guy is a player. He eats minutes, and he loves to rebound the basketball. Loves to rebound. Can he work on his defense? Probably. He'll probably tell you he can work on his defense. But this guy is a gamer. He's a baller. He is ready to go. And he is going to be a guy who can come in and contribute. He's going to be a much different player than David McCormick. Not going to have his strength. Not going to have his ability to go in the post. Probably can't guard Big 12 centers. But he can Kim shoot. Martin- is a much better shooter. I know we talked about Mitch Lightfoot, about maybe he can add a three-point shot. Cam Martin will be a better three-point shooter than Mitch Lightfoot or David McCormick will ever dream of being. This guy can shoot the basketball and is, like David McCormick, very good at that mid-range jumper. They can hit that about equally. But he has so many more offensive tools in his bag than David McCormick does. I believe that Cam Martin is going to contribute. I don't, I'm not saying he's going to come in and he's going to put up 25 and 9 in the Big 12 because, yes, there is a difference between the MIAA and the Big 12. But the MIAA is as close as Division One basketball gets in Division Two. Just ask Duke when they almost got beaten by Northwest a couple of weeks, a couple of years ago. Northwest Missouri State had just won their second championship in two tries. So, don't come at me, KU fan, with, oh, my God, we're signing Division II players. He's a three-time All-American, and maybe I'm going to be wrong on him. Cam Martin, I think, is going to be great, a great addition for the Jayhawks this season. Moving on to Wichita State baseball and softball. Guys, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but the Shockers have been tearing up the diamond. I start with baseball. Wichita State took three in a row. They won three of four at Houston in their first American Athletic Conference series of the season. And in fact, that would be the first AAC series, I believe, in the career of Eric Wedge as the manager because as a head coach, he did not get that last year because the season was canceled after 15 games. They swept Omaha, beat Kansas State after going 1-3 and in Florida against Stetson and FIU. And the pitching in this eight-game stretch, guys, has been such a big difference. Shocks have won seven of eight. And in this eight-game stretch, they've given up two runs per game In those four games in Florida, Shocker pitching gave up nine runs a game. They didn't pitch that well at number 13 Arizona or against Air Force in the desert the week before. Preston Snavely has been tremendous for Wichita State. 3.52 ERA in 30 innings on the season. 
three straight quality starts. He's given up two earned runs over his last 14 and a, and a third innings. And Aaron Hasse has thrown eight straight scoreless appearances over 10 innings, I think, for him. So, Tommy, the Wichita State pitching has been such a difference maker for the Shockers after that 8-8 eight and eight start. We have seen what a difference it makes after starting 9-8 and eight or 8-8, eight and eight, something like that. All of a sudden, the pitching has arrived, and the Shockers are on fire. Yeah, this was the series that the the Shockers needed for sure. You know, we talked a couple of weeks ago on this program about kind of a little bit of a disappointing start for Wichita State, especially what after what we saw them do in the pandemic shortened season sure. last year and how excited everyone was for the future of Shocker baseball and Eric Wedge and what they were doing and how they were winning games and how great they looked doing it. And then, you know, of course, everything got shut down. This season was a little bit of a disappointment, at least to get started for Wichita State. But as soon as really they got into, you know, American play that, you know, kind of changed a little bit for Wichita State. I mean, I know obviously they played in in Florida and then obviously the series against Houston that's going on right now. You know, the Shockers stand right now. What I, they're what, 15 and nine overall. They're yes. three and one in the American Conference. Um, I, I, here's a stat that I just found really interesting. Before this past weekend, the Shockers were 0-6 against Houston since they joined the conference. They had not beaten oh. Houston in baseball you know, since they joined the American Athletic Conference three years ago. Uh, the fact that they've been able to go in and get runs against this Houston team in a critical stretch to kick off conference play is super important and does tons for the confidence and motivation of the Shocker squad. You were talking, Blake, about the pitching for Wichita State. Jace Kaminska. He's 2-0, 12 scoreless, 12 scoreless innings in his first two starts for the Shockers. Kansas kid, a two-time Kansas Gatorade player of the year from Caney, uh, pitching great so far to start the season for Wichita State. They needed a guy like him at the front of the rotation. Uh, you know, Spencer Hines, the the same kind of deal. You know, he allowed two earned runs in seven innings uh, in the game on Saturday. So, you know, really pitching is going to be essential continuing for Wichita State. We know that at least in stretches, the Shockers can hit the ball, but it's almost a little bit like the Royals to an extent, right? Mm-hmm. We need They need to have crucial pitching and at least to open up conference play, They've been able to deliver. They did drop the series opener against Houston, but since that time, they've played great baseball. And so, uh, again, uh, yeah, it's a critical stretch to open up the season, uh, but I'm optimistic to see where they can go from here. Uh, I just want to take my, my time here to point out two things. I think Houston baseball is a fraud. They were, they're not deserving of any type of two seed oh, that gosh. they get. <laughs> Tommy's not even going to acknowledge it. It's fine. Thank Here you. we go. Yeah, it was just. Tra- I was just really probably re- probably a good decision by him. I loved. I'd love to be a terrible team in the final four. By the way, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know. And here's here's the thing. I I think that w- with Wichita State too, you're still waiting for a few of the the players that you expect to be key contributors to kind of play even above what they're playing so far. So there's definitely potential and room for growth on this team. Uh, and you guys know if we're going to talk about with Wichita State um, segment, I was going to take some time to talk about my boy Cooper Cornbloom, uh, who's, you know, he. I think he is in – I don't even say this is, you know, a, a necessarily a down thing. I think he's not playing up to the expectations that he probably had for himself as well. You know, he's hit 235 on base with 333, only slugging 294. Um, but he's certainly one that you expect, you know, that's just a good example of where this team has room to grow. I think you certainly expect him to hopefully kind of figure it out, get things going, uh, you know, and help bolster that offense even more so. Uh, 
you got to be encouraged that the team is winning while still being able to identify some spots, you know, within the lineup um, that you can say, Hey, we could be getting more out of this team. So, you know, it's all about getting hot at the right time, especially in the college baseball format. Um, You know, it's not quite as drastic. I don't think as, uh, March Madness by any means is not a one and you know not necessarily one and done so um, but but it is it, you know it's it's getting hot bats getting hot arms at the right time so encouraged to see the team winning while also still having room to grow and the bats did get hot against Houston Paxton Wallace had two dingers five for 12 in the series Garrett Kosas five for 14 in the series and five shocks got on base OBP of over 600 in that series most important stat in baseball and not to be outdone by the way the Shocker baseball team isn't even the best diamond sports team on campus. Shocker softball is unbelievable this year. Five-game winning streak. They swept Memphis last weekend. They have won seven of their last eight after taking three of four from East Carolina. They are 24-5, and and tonight, as people are watching this, they will be hosting the number one team in the country, Oklahoma, and that game is set for a 6 p.m. first pitch at Wilkins Stadium. If you have the plus, it will be on the plus, but the Shockers have been playing tremendous softball. Shortstop uh, Sidney McKinney, sophomore, has been the American Athletic Conference Player of the Week for two straight weeks. She is tearing the cover off the ball. Can I interest you in a 447 average? No, wait, I can do better. Can I interest you in an OPS of four players in the starting lineup with an OPS over a thousand? Hello, four in the starting lineup over a thousand. And the Shockers, I believe, are fourth in the country. They have out homered their opponents 56 to 18. 56 home runs in 29 games for Wichita State. And, oh, by the way, uh, Bailey Lang with an ERA of 1.49 and a whip of 1.10. This Shocker softball team, guys, is 7-1 in the American. They're doing something special right now. They already have a win over a top 25 Oklahoma State team, and it will you know, bar the door if they get the confidence of beating the number one team in the country. Uh, yeah. Um, Blake, I, I got I to gotta tell you, this is not um I don't I don't say this with a lot of pleasure, but I think you I think you really screwed up, man. Um and, and I'll tell you why. Why this this should have this should have been our top story. Um maybe I, because because at the end of the day, the Wichita State sh- softball team does not get the credit that it deserves. No. Um, you're always going to see what's going on with shocker baseball. You're obviously always going to see what's going on with shocker basketball. Um, shocker softball is fantastic right yeah. now. And I, I, I recognize that it's college softball. And so it's not going to get prominent placement on ESPN or ESPN two. This is a game on ESPN plus, but you're talking about the number one team in America. And not only that with the Sooners, they're the number one home run hitting team in the country. The Sooners are, you know, where Wichita state is They're number four. Number they're not four. that far behind. Oh, you. So you're going to see two powerhouses when it comes to offense squaring off on Wednesday night. Did you know that the sweep that the shocker softball team had against Memphis just a couple of days ago over the weekend, that was the first conference sweep since April of 2019, two years 
since a, a sweep had happened for the Shocker softball team. And who did they sweep in that series in 2019? Memphis. So, oh. uh, you know, again, Shocker softball playing incredibly well right now. They're 24 and five overall on the season. Um, you know, they resume American play this weekend. They have a, a big stretch of games against Houston, a four game set from Friday, uh, doubleheader on Saturday and then another game on Sunday. Those games are at home. It's a long home stretch uh, for the Shockers uh, over the next week or so, a little over a week for Wichita State. But obviously the marquee matchup is the one against the Oklahoma Sooners. And, and Blake, you're dead on when you say that this would do a world of good confidence-wise for Wichita State if they were somehow able to upset the number one team in the country. You know, one thing that I like about this Wichita State t- Shocker softball team, and maybe this is maybe me having a misunderstanding of, of you know, women's athletics in general and, and maybe, you know, due to, to budgets and, and those kind of things. But I love how much local talent is on this Wichita State team. I mean, so if you if you just look at the roster, they've got, you know, fre- freshman Lauren Johnson uh, from Wichita for, attended Mays. You've got um, junior Wiley Glover in the outfield from Wichita, Kansas, from Valley Center. You've got Riley Buck, uh, who's a senior from Wellington, Kansas. You've got, uh, let's see, there's a couple more on here. Uh, Jessica Garcia, freshman from Shawnee, Kansas. You got Lauren Mills, sophomore from Topeka, Kansas. You got Cameron Compton, Baxter Springs, Kansas. Uh, Gracie Sullivan from Galena, Kansas. And I love that. I, you, I love when when you can get these D one programs that can harvest the local talent. You know, keep all that recruit in state, and then not only that, but but then to produce at a high level. It's not like they're just handing out you know charity passes to to these girls because they're from the state of Kansas. And they're producing. So I, I love that. I, I think that's great uh, for really any college athletic program, but, you know, awesome for, for Wichita to, to see all these uh, girls from Kansas, you know, being producing at such a high level. I think part of it has to do with the fact that KU softball is kind of down right now. They've had a, a couple of not so great years under Jennifer McFalls. They were back to 500, but first year they uh, they went 15 and 36 in Lawrence. Megan Smith had some really good years, but started to kind of taper down um, after the the Tracy Bungie retirement. I think in 2009, 2010, something like that. She had been at KU for a, a long time. Wichita State's kind of been been tracking along and kind of just stacking 32. Win seasons since about 2013. So they've been incredibly, incredibly consistent. So yes, uh, Shocker softball has been tremendous. And once again, that game is going to be tonight at 6 p.m. Last topic, guys. Uh, this is one that I, I, I feel like we didn't really discuss before the show, but something that I do think that we need to to kind of address here. Kansas State just wrapped up its spring football, and one of the things that that has been the one of the big stories is, of course, the quarterback position. With the injury to Skylar Thompson, Thompson did not get any time with the ones during the 15-day session. He has been playing in some seven-on-sevens, but Will Howard, who came in in the injury season, Kansas State obviously last year did not have the type of recovery uh, from the really good first season that Coach Kleiman had. Uh, they didn't really have the kind of year that they really wanted to have there. 
there in year two of the Chris Kleiman era. Uh, kind of a disappointing end to the season. Didn't play well down the stretch. And a lot of people have been wondering, what is the quarterback situation going to look like? Is it going to be Howard or is it going to be Skylar Thompson to come back? Because I think everybody realizes that Will Howard is the future, but people are still wanting to know what's going to happen in 2021. So, you know, Coach Kleiman said, really excited about Will Howard's growth. Obviously, I didn't watch any of the spring game. I'm not sure it was even televised anywhere. And, you know, with coronavirus restrictions, you know, really – Really difficult time, obviously, to be in to be in football. But Skylar Thompson, Coach Kleiman said he worked really hard in the fall and the winter, and as the spring um, said he was able to get a lot more throws in per fra- per practice. They were originally thinking he would be limited to about thirty five throws. We actually got up to sixty to eighty throws. And I know that you two from the times that I subbed on the podcast in football season had pretty strong opinions, uh, which I know for Weston is kind of a shock, but did have strong opinions on who the guy between Thompson and Howard should be. Have you guys kind of formed your opinions about where you think that they are going to be once we are starting to kick the ball off in August in terms of that quarterback position? I'm not saying right or wrong uh, that this is what it should be. But Skylar Thompson is going to be the quarterback next year. I, I just have zero doubts as he's returning. You know, assuming he's healthy, you still yeah, absolutely. Assuming he's healthy, you still get. I get it. You know, your your big time D one programs, and and it doesn't always happen. College athletics. Let's not make a mistake. There is still deference given to the senior, the upperclassmen when you feel like things feel even, right? And it doesn't, there should be no, in my opinion, there's not, should not be any concern about a step back from Will Howard if, you know, he sits the bench all next year. And and certainly you see a lot of colleges, I don't like it, but you see a lot of colleges that can, that will work packages in to get it, you know, multiple quarterbacks on the field. Tommy and I both have, um, discuss how much we hate that and i don't think i'm not suggesting they're gonna do this i also hate yeah that. i think it's silly but there's i think there's a difference between like you have two quarterbacks and hey we've got some packages for will howard you know i think that's kind of that's kind of different i don't love that either but that is a, a little bit of a different conversation um but i think there's no questions it's going to be skylar thompson you know, for for once, I know it's really rare. I'm going to agree with Weston on this. Um, <laughs> Whoa! Hey-o. I know. I I think yeah. I think it just makes sense that way. You know, there there were some good things from Will Howard last season, but he was a true freshman, and Skylar Thompson coming back. I, I think it's actually less about Skylar Thompson. Yeah, he's going to be the quarterback this upcoming season. It's more about giving Will Howard the opportunity to grow a little bit more, give him another season underneath, you know, second in the depth chart, assuming that Skylar Thompson is healthy and is able to play the season at a healthy level. Uh, And I think that that's going to be able to give you a really, really strong quarterback in Will Gordon for his junior and senior season in Manhattan. If you give him another extra year of grooming, second on the depth chart is the backup. And so I think that that's got to be the play. I think, you know, and, and really, let's be honest, especially with the way that transfers work nowadays, uh, Skylar Thompson would not have committed to come back to Kansas State next season if there wasn't a commitment to him that he was going to be the starting quarterback. Um, yeah, I think he would have found another place to play football to finish out his college career. You know, I think if, if the Wildcats were super, super high on Will Howard right this second, then they probably would have communicated that to Skylar Thompson because I think they owe him that much. 
And I think he probably would have made a decision to go somewhere else. Um, so I, I do think that he will be the quarterback. But I don't know if you guys saw this. Another big story that just dropped as far as kind of spring football for uh, the Wildcats. They have a new wide receiver. He's a transfer from Nebraska. His name is Cade Warner. And guys, I don't know if you knew this or not. He's the son of NFL Hall of Famer Kurt Warner. And he will be a wide receiver. He will be a wide receiver for the Wildcats uh, coming this fall in Manhattan. Uh, you know, I think he'll contribute. Um, you know, the the receiving core for the Wildcats was not super strong last season. In fact, the leading receivers for Kansas State last season were uh, Deuce Vaughn and Briley Moore, who was a tight end. So a running back and a tight end <laughs> led the team in receptions last year. So I think that having a, a deeper wide receiver core was obviously important to Chris Kleiman. And uh, I don't think he'll lead the team in receptions or receiving yards or anything like that. I don't think he's really much of a deep threat, but I think he will contribute for the Wildcats this upcoming season. So Wildcat football has wrapped up their spring. And so, hey, we got all three of the state schools covered today. We got the Royals. Guys, is there anything else we need to do? Oh, wait. Yeah, there is. There was one more thing, Tommy. Go ahead and hit the music. It is time for our Wichita Whip Around. One story from the Wichita area that we feel you are probably going to miss because it wasn't at the top of the sports page. So, Tommy, we will start with you. Bring us your Wichita Whip Around story today. What do the people need to know? Well, I feel like we've been talking about this school for quite a bit over the last several weeks. We'll talk about them again on this edition of the podcast. Sunrise Christian Academy. They played in the national championship game against IMG Academy. Of course, that game was televised uh, on ESPN uh, last weekend. Uh, you know, I'll tell you what they we've talked about what they can do quite a bit and how, you know, all the accolades and all the awards and the D one commits and all of that. Um, so a big congratulations to sunrise Christian being able to play in the national championship game. That was pretty awesome. Come on, Weston. I didn't even rant. This is when you talk. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you guys were frozen on my, on, on my zoom. So I, I didn't know. So, uh, I've got a story. We're going to cover uh, softball and sh- going out to uh, Eisenhower High School in Goddard uh, with a 26 to nothing victory over Hutchinson. Um, I, I I can't say that I have wow. a whole lot of, of, you know, really much more into it than that. But boy, I saw 26 to nothing. And I thought, well, we've got to give a shout out to the Eisenhower girls softball team for a 26 to nothing victory over Hutchinson. Oh, I am also going to stick with softball as well. Uh, we are going to go to your guys' absolute favorite school, a school here in Wichita that I know you love having on our Wichita-based podcast, the stop. Friends University Falcons. The Friends Falcons softball team sweeping the weekly KCAC honors. Carolyn Dallimore, the KCAC softball player of the week, hit 500. Can I interest you in three dingers last week as the Falcons went 5-1? and one. Haley Walters, your KCAC softball pitcher of the week, a 0.68 ERA in 20 and two-thirds innings, along with 23 strikeouts and four outings the last week as friends 
We talked about how they had beaten Ottawa, the number 23 team in the country. They split with McPherson and then absolutely crushed Bethel, beating them a combined 12 to nothing. They are back in action in the KCAC going to Leavenworth to the University of St. Mary. And that those games actually, as you are watching the show, those games are probably going to be underway. TBA for those games on today, April 7th, at the University of St. Mary. So I know you guys didn't want to let the show go without getting a little Friends Athletics update here on the show. Well, look, you know, we cannot end the Wichita whip around on a note about Friends University. Why so not? I actually, it's a Wichita show. No, you guys should I, be in favor of this. I just can't do it. I do have one more topic that I want to bring up in our Wichita whip around. Congratulations to Brooklyn Ince. She is a Newton native and a Kansas State Wildcat played soccer uh, for both Newton and for Kansas State. She was selected 38th overall by the Kansas City franchise in the new National Women's Soccer League uh, draft. So she was 30, the 38th overall pick in the 2021 draft. And here's what's incredible about Brooklyn Ince. So. She went to Kansas State to play soccer. She was a highly touted, highly regarded prep soccer player. Kansas State only launched their women's soccer program in 2016, and yet she committed to play for the Wildcats. And I don't know this for sure, but I would imagine she probably had opportunities to play at you know more well-established programs than Kansas State. But she chose to play for the Wildcats. They won two games total. From 2017 to 2019 to three wins in 2020, she'll return for a fifth year next season. But she was drafted 38th overall uh, by the, the National Women's Soccer League, League franchise in Kansas City, which, by the way, isn't that the franchise that Brittany Mahomes is yes, co-owner of? Is isn't that the way that that works? That yeah, that's correct. That is correct. Yes. The the So if you're into women's soccer, you'll have that to cheer for as well. And so that's our Wichita Whip Around. I do want to give a shout out, though, to the Newman University softball team. Huge top 25 win for them. Had a three-game winning streak from last Saturday, the 27th. And then they took game one. And it's been a struggle of a season. The Jets are currently on the year Four and ten in the MIAA, six and nineteen overall. But the Jets beat number seventeen Central Oklahoma to split with the Broncos. Their game that happened Tuesday, doubleheader against William Jewell. We had that pop-up thunderstorm down here. Obviously, natural grass surface over there at the NU softball field, so those games had to be canceled. But the Jets return to action for a road trip. They make the Northwest Missouri swing this week. Four o'clock doubleheader at Missouri Western on Friday, and then on Saturday, doubleheader beginning at noon at the Bearcats of Northwest Missouri State. Next home game for the Jets will be April 30th, a Friday date against Fort Hay State. So that is the show. Time to the last time to go to the last segment, the one we call additions, corrections, or attractions. Any of you guys have any of those for this week? I do I do have an addition. Um I I, I think that it, we would be remiss because it is the big 12 to not congratulate the Baylor bears on winning the national oh, sure. championship uh, in the NCAA tournament on Monday night. Uh, hey, it's good for the big 12. I know. And, and, and you know what? Kansas, I know. Kansas is going to make money off of that. The big 12 wins that the, the school share in the wealth. Of that. I know. So I just don't congratulations like to, 
Well, congratulations Why? to Scott Drew. He was able, and you know, look, the his players absolutely adore yeah. him, uh, and I just love the fact they deserved it. They played they, better. Sure, oh sure, yeah, sure. they blew the doors off Gonzaga, uh, and this was a team that w- they were already being crowned by just about everybody nationally, and Baylor just made them look like uh, an average pedestrian middle of the road basketball team. So congratulations. I will say- to in Gonzaga's defense, they had a tremendous season. Sure. And this goes to show, you know, something that I've said for years. If you are going to be in the business of being a fan of Division One college basketball and only judge your team by the result in the NCAA tournament and by whether or not you won the big dance, it is a fool's errand because the tournament is set up in such a way that there is wider variance than there is in almost any other postseason in major sports. You can have great teams like Kansas. For I can go back to the Jayhawks, for example. Is, is there any question that Kansas should have won more than one championship since 2008? There is no question. Of course they should have. But the tournament is set up for crazy things to happen. And to go back to the point I'm trying to make, there is no question that Gonzaga is a national championship caliber program. They don't have anything to show for it. And there is a big difference between being, I understand, for a Gonzaga fan, there's a big difference between being a Gonzaga fan that has zero titles and a KU team that has one title since 2008. The difference between one and two is very much infinitely smaller than zero and one. So take nothing away from Gonzaga. But yes, Tommy, you are correct. Baylor was the better team. Why don't you like Scott Drew? Why? Why? I don't know. I can't tell you why. Just don't you like don't him. know. Just rubs me the so wrong the way. He's just Scott Drew. yeah. Well, listen, I'm a sports fan. That's what we do. We have irrational thoughts and takes. Have you not heard me on this podcast for the last six months? I got irrational takes no, we, all we, the time. Let's see, Tommy. Irrational sports takes. Uh, story checks out. Yes. Uh, <laughs> any any additions from you? Yes, I do. Um, and I don't know. I, I don't know if you guys, if we just missed this or it just it's breaking. And I'm 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 honestly not seeing this uh, when it happened. But Jarence Howard, uh, assistant coach at Kansas, leaving to join yeah. Chris Beard's staff at Texas, and I think that is. That's a pretty big deal, oh, wow. I actually think, because he's very much considered kind of the recruiter, uh, you know, at Kansas. He's the guy in uh, will not NCAA allegations notwithstanding, um, the guy who gets stuff done and closes some guys. So uh, that's a that's a big loss. Jeremy Case moving into the assistant coach uh, role as left uh-huh. by Jaron Howard. So big big fan of Jeremy Case. Have no no reasons to to believe that he can't do great things as an assistant coach there, but uh, Jaron's Howard. Yeah, the the question Kansas. is, yeah, the, the question with that is, yeah, I know Jeremy case, Bill self said temporarily would move into that. Oh, role sure. Because I, didn't see that. Or I now. think, okay. yeah, I think it kind of, I think it might've caught the program off guard a little sure. bit um, that Howard was leaving. But uh, one of the questions is, does Bill self look outside to try to bring somebody in to fill that role? Two names come to mind and I don't know if the first one would take it, Danny Manning, Danny is not coaching. Manning. 
anywhere right now. I don't know if he would go back to being an assistant coach, but he did a great job on Bill Self's staff. And then also Aaron Miles is another name to keep in mind. You know, he's coached a little bit in the NBA over the last few years. A couple of names to keep in mind that could uh, potentially replace Jaren's Howard. Bill Self, I, lo- I love both those names. And Bill Self and Danny Manning should absolutely look to Paul Feinbaum in Alabama and see what he's <laughs> Nick Saban has done to, you know, basically, I mean, he has, he revives more coaches careers than anybody else. And there's no reason to think sure. that, you know, Danny Manning can't come sit on the bench next to Bill Self for two years and all of a sudden get, you know, a slew of offers again. So um, that might be a, a good move for Danny Manning. Uh, not that any of us are suggesting that we've heard that's going to happen, but um, no, but I mean, see you how know, plays out. depending on, Depending on how what you think the KU offense is going to look like, if you're like me, I know you guys have kind of said, let's move away from big men, but that's a big part of what Danny Manning does. You, If you are running a big man dominant team with big men as a big part of your offense, which is what they have done and what I think they're going to continue to do, then Danny Manning is a perfect guy to have on your staff because he has gotten a lot of credit from all the big men that he has coached at Kansas, helping to make them better, get and, and make them a such a critical part of the Kansas success since Bill well, Self. Is yeah, there. and and you had a, a stretch of really dominant big men. That, sure, you know it was like year after year. You know from. Jeff Withy and Cole Aldridge and the Morris twins and Thomas Robinson and year after year after year, Danny Manning was just churning out these high caliber yes. big men. Uh, and so, and, and that's part of the reason why he was then able to move on and become a head coach. Sure. I know he had kind of mixed success at both Tulsa and Wake Forest, but uh, he could be a big, a big asset. I don't, again, I don't know if he would go back to being an assistant coach at this point. Yeah, but I know. I don't know. Who knows? If he's going to do it, I think he would do it in Lawrence. And I mean, if you're a KU sure. fan, you wouldn't want Danny Manning to get his hands on David McCormick. Really? I mean, I, I would. I would love to have that relationship. Uh, I have one more addition. And uh, we, unfortunately for you guys, we have to go back to Friends University as oh. Friends has hired a new men's soccer coach. They're, st- they're sticking with inside the program. Remember, guys, the, the Falcons won the KCAC men's soccer tournament last year, uh, but Joe Dinseco stepping away. Brian Perez is going to be the new head soccer coach for men's soccer at uh, Friends University. Once again, 11-3 uh, and three mark last season for the Falcons, so they really had a fantastic year. And that is our show. Wait, 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 Once again, wait, 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 wait. wait. No, no, um, you don't get to wait, say something else wait. just so that just, Friends Falcons isn't the last just thing a, on the Just show. a quick addition, you know, Andale track and field kicked off the track season with the with the uh, Paul or Paul Bear Schmidt Invitational uh, last week. And so just wanted to kind of mention we got track and field underway, you know, and we can go ahead and end the show right there. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, Friends Men's Soccer is opening up the KCAC <laughs> postseason Saturday against – your Southwestern jinx. So how about that? Mound Builders versus the Falcons in the postseason coming up. So obviously we know who you're cheering for. Um, I apologize for that. To all of our Wichita listeners who don't give a flip about Southwestern for the, all the hatred, the vicious bile out of the mouth of Tommy Castor and Weston, I'll always stand up for you, friends, University Falcon fans. Once again, make sure you hit the like and subscribe button. Sorry, I didn't know I was signing up for the anti-friends <laughs> podcast. That's a little gratuitous. Uh, we'll be back next week. Once again, we drop the show every middle of the week, Tuesday to, to Thursday, somewhere in there. It will always drop. 
on all the platforms. Share it with a friend, cogpod.podomatic.com, Spotify, Apple, Google, all the big places. Facebook.com slash Keeper of the Games if you want to watch, or as always, on YouTube. And speaking of YouTube, we don't want to leave out our dear audio listeners. Tommy, would you please hit them and then Weston follow with your Twitter handles for our dear audio listeners. Yeah, if you're unfortunately not watching this masterpiece on YouTube and you can't see our Twitter handles right below us, you can follow me at Tweets from Tommy. At WMills94. And we all know that your graphics, Tommy, are the only reason you would actually want to watch the show, (laughs) except for Weston Mills, the best looking man in Wichita sports podcasts. Do you have a crush Uh, on Weston, by the way? Is that why you always talk about how attractive he is? I mean, why wouldn't you have a crush on Tommy? I mean, I've got a crush on Weston. I'm just (laughs) just saying. Wow. (laughs) Wow. I I mean, you'd pretty much have to 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 do the Weston whip around. What did did T.O. say? I I love me some me. Yeah, Weston does love him some him. I am at B-E Crips, B-E-C-R-I-P-P-S. That is our show. Episode 62 is coming up next week. Uh, interested to see how things progress for University of Kansas Athletics, a new athletic department. Uh, and you know, It really feels like it's a new athletic department for Kansas right now and how that will translate into the football coaching search, which obviously takes center stage. Wichita State baseball, obviously in action. Softball will have a wrap-up on number one team in the country they're playing, and uh, we'll see what the Royals get up to this week, next week on the show. So that is it for Tommy and Weston. This is Blake. This is Keeper of the Games. We'll see you next week. Take care, guys. You've been listening to Keeper of the Games with Tommy Castor, Weston Mills, and Blake Cripps. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and listen on all major podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and more. Visit our website at cogsports.com. Find the podcast and videos on Facebook and YouTube at Keeper of the Games. And follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at CogPod. That's K-O-G-Pod.